He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hene mihi tāwhito, the story of a whare a long, long way from home. Hene mihi was starting to fall into a bit of a state of disrepair. She had a hole on the roof and her roof was interesting because she um, and still has um, a thatched roof and in this photograph you can see um, ash on the roof but they must construed that ash as being thatched. For many of the uh, expat Māoris in London, their Māori connect was Hanamahi and their annual hangi was really important for the identity as Māori. And with Hanamihi it means photographing not just Hanamihi but Hanamihi in the garden. And the context teaches us a lot about the situation of these places. Architect Professor Anthony Hoite, Senior Lecturer Dr Kiri and Wikitera, Documentary Photographer Mark Adams and Author of The House with the Golden Eyes, Alan Gallup, join the show. E te kuia e henemihi, hi ahuru mōwai i te wā o te pūpuhātanga o Tarawera, i tēnei wā hi ahuru mōwai mō te tangata. This is Episode 3. Dr. Kiri Ann Wikitera shared her story in episode two. Her late father was a Welshman and her mum from Tuhorangi. A few years ago, Kiri and her sisters travelled to Wales to trace the whakapapa of her father. Feeling a bit of a disconnect to the whenua there, they headed to Oxfordshire to visit the grave of their ancestor, Makariti Papakura. On the last day of their trip, they visited Clandon Park. After that trip, Kiri was inspired to write her doctoral thesis about Hinemahi. Kiri Ann grew up in Auckland, outside of her tribal areas of Tūhaurangi and Ngāti Whakaue, so she felt an obligation to seek out the support of the iwi first. So I um, went to a conference down in Rotorua soon after, um, not knowing how I was going to make a connect with Ngāti Hanamahi or with how I was going to start my journey. Iti Taha Māori with Hanamahi and... Uh, Jim Schuster just happened to be there and I just happened to be sitting next to him at lunch at this conference. Uh, so I asked him and he, he said, oh, it's not up to me to give you permission. Um, and, you know, anyone that can work on or can help with our, our tūpana, with Hinamahi, you know, all the better. So I took that as permission. So I then um, started my research journey. Kiri Ann and I meet at a cafe in Whakarewerewa. Now, since the last lockdown, the nearby living Māori village, home to the penny divers, has been closed to tourists. But Kiri is from here, so we make our way towards the Whareinui for a kōrero. We are at Te Pākira Marae in Whakarewerewa village. This is my home, my shelter, my happy place. So this is a bell that came from Te Wairoa after the eruption. Uh, it's the bell that gets rung when we are having church services and so forth. This whakairoa and the bell is a rock from the original Te Pākira Marae on Motutawa uh, from Rotokākahi, the Green Lake. A senior lecturer at the School of Hospitality and Tourism at Auckland's University of Technology, Kiri Ann recalls her PhD research. I was able to connect with Ngāti Rānana one night at New Zealand House, close to Piccadilly, 
and I went along there for their weekly Wednesday kapahaka practice and they were preparing for the annual hangi out at Clandon and they started calling me and a couple of others in so I called for the first time and I introduced that I was coming from the whanau of Hanamahi but it was really interesting because we had the pōwhiri and the kaimātua that got up to speak actually recognised Hanamahi as Ngāti Rānana's whare, which really struck me because they don't papa to the meeting house necessarily, but they considered Hanamahi to be their place where they can go to yes. and be Māori. And from that, I just recently went to a presentation by Ngāhuia Te Awe Kotoku. Mm. She was giving a very wahine perspective on Tonga Māori. And she spoke about Hanamahi and her kōrero here in Rotorua. It's only last month. She also spoke about how when she was a resident in England, that when anything happened back home in Te Arawa, Tangi or, or so forth, she would go out to Hanamahi and mourn and cry and connect. So I thought, you know, all of us have felt that connect between home, whether they be Pākehā, they've made a connect with Ngāti Hanamahi, be Māori and not connected to Rotorua Te Arawa, they still made that connect. So Anthony had a big connect with Jim Schuster. Um, he created a concept plan and presented it at Hinamahi in the 2009 Hangi. At that time, he got up and simply um, talked about his experience being there and how his father and his had come over from New Zealand to look after his tamariki while he worked on Hinamahi. So it wasn't just a I'm going to work and work on the Hanamahi concept. Mm. He'd actually brought his father's people there as well. And just by that kind of quite random act of introducing his work and saying, this is my father who's come to look after my tamariki while I work on Hanamahi, um, made that connection. So there's lots of, lots and lots of different connects that I um, witnessed Hanamahi was bringing people together and lots of connects between home here um, and all the different people um, in London. So Ngāti Rānana recognised Hanamahi as their whare too and um, when I spoke to some of the Rānana people they were saying that they don't, they know that they're not Whakapapa to, they don't whakapapa to Hanamahi, but Hanamahi's mm. opened her arms to them. They are therefore obligated to make sure that the ultimate care that they can give to the whare, they will. So Ngāti Rānana were very invested in any kind of work that was happening out at Clandon and very respectful and humble to Ngāti Hinamahi's stance of repatriating her, yes. if indeed that was going to happen. But in the meantime, um, just care was taken to look after her, and in response, Hinamahi opened her spirit to them as well. And I think that's one of the things that I find when repatriation is raised, that repatriate, 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 
and I get that. Um, but I also would like to kind of recognise that there are a lot of people that have been looking after Hanamahi over in London. Yes, you know, what did your PhD set out to do? Well, I'm really interested in art history. And that was a lot to do with when I first started studying when I was young, like 18 and I'm now a nanny, but when I first started studying I did one quite random paper called Art History and my first class was with Ngahui Atiara Kotoku, she just happened to be working at Auckland University at the time. Um, And I didn't know a lot about um, Taonga Māori. And then a few years after that, I was invited to be a kaiārahi at the Te Māori exhibition. Um, after I had returned from Chicago, and they had it at the Auckland Art Gallery. Yes. And as part of preparation to be a guide, we did wānanga up there and learnt a bit about our taonga, pūkaki, tiki, um, and some of the other taonga that was in that exhibition from Te Arawa. So that kind of really introduced me to an intrigue and, and connections and how people are brought together because of the Tonga. So we were really trained really well, I think, from our kaumātua, our nannies and kōros that all travelled from Brusadua to Auckland to Tautoko, ask the guides, and also in protection of our Tonga that was travelling around. It really struck me that Tonga weren't just about having special tongue or tukui or but it was really about connection of people. Tēnā koe, Dr Kiri and Wiki Tera, nō tū haurangi Ngāti Whakaue. Now we've included links to her doctoral thesis, Māori Spaces in Foreign Places, Hinemihi Tautawhito. Head to rnz.co.nz slash teahikā. Kiri Ann mentioned the work of Professor Anthony Hoite. Hoite moved to England in 1990. He established a successful career as an architect in the UK. He was the director of Reba Chartered Practice and Watt Architecture in London. For eight years, he was the chair of Te Maru o Hinemihi, a collective promoting kaitiakitanga and support for the exchange of carvings. In 2020, Hoite moved back to Aotearoa. I visited him at his office at the School of Architecture and Planning at the University of Auckland. Kumata to a man, Captain Cook, Tuku Waka. So I whakapapa to the Matatua. But also my mother arrived in Aotearoa in the 60s aboard um, the twin screw ship, the Captain Cook. Ko Natiawa me Natirana na iwi. Ko Tehinga Otera te Paretipuna. Ko Motiti Tuku Motere. So I'm from Motiti Island. Um, Anthony decided to leave Aotearoa for the UK, where he lived for 30 years. Um, that's spending more, more of my life in, uh, in Ingarangi than here in Aotearoa. But of course, that um, I had connections to Te Ao Māori, and one of the principal ways was through Natirana, and more specifically through uh, Te Maru Hinamihi. Now, as a collective, Te Maru Ohenemihi is about kaitiakitanga, Bulgarianship. They are collaborative partners in a future exchange of carvings and play a supportive role alongside the National Trust, Pauhere Taonga and Nakohinga Whakaero Ohenemihi. Hoite served as its chair from 2012. I got a telephone call from um, an archaeologist from the University College London Institute of Archaeology. His name was... Dean Sully, and I remember the call quite well. I was sitting on the top deck of a, 
a bus going down Hackney Road. Somebody rang me and said, um, do you know Jim Schuster? The name, I haven't heard the name for a while, but I think he was a teacher of mine at uh, Kaurau Intermediate. And then since Jim then had left the teaching profession and gone on to work for Heritage New Zealand, and, and particularly in, in terms of cultural advising. And so this archaeologist had, asked, had said he's meeting uh, Jim, and as at the time I was the only Māori architect in, in the United Kingdom, and they asked me would I want to get involved, and I said, well, first of all, love to catch up with Jim again. And so that was about 2005, 2006 now, yes. long time ago. And I remember that weekend driving a typically gloomy, overcast, wet um, weekend and meeting Jim Schuster and Dean Sully. And that was my first uh, engagement with, uh, with, with Hinamihi. And um, yeah, and then actually she, of course, I say she because she, uh, she being a woman is a, um, and we, Māori heritage being alive and we, yeah. we talked to as if they're people, yeah. um, and she helped uh, keep me connected to things back home, t- um, Aotearoa, and kept me um, connected to Māori tanga in an otherwise pretty British English existence. And so, I was very um, eternally grateful for that. Also, that's a bit of a, um, just think that's a bit of a long journey too. So I said I joined the project around about. 14, 15 years ago. Yeah, 15 years ago. And I say project because when I joined, it wasn't really a project. There was nothing to sort of project except um, Anna Mahi was starting to fall into a bit of a state of disrepair. She had a hole in the roof. And her roof was interesting because she um, and still has um, a thatched roof. And that's because sometimes towards the end of uh, the last century, some English restorers mistook the photograph from the Burton, I think the Burton brothers, I think, took a historic photograph just after the Tarawera eruption. And in this photograph, you can see um, ash on the roof, but they misconstrued that ash as being thatched. Right. So that's a Māori whare with a thatched roof. But I have to say, boy, uh, she looks beautiful for it. And it also tells me a little, gives life a lesson that sometimes, um, because the whare tipuna is a living heritage, and like a living person, um, the whare must be allowed to change and adapt. But also as, as an amazing flag bearer for Māori culture. So yes, when I joined her, she had a hole in the roof, and I think I went down to see what could be done. But of course, you know, the tikanga there, I was no expert in thatched roofs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's how I got introduced to Hinamihi. Uh, the book Decolonising Conservation, Caring for Māori Meeting Houses Outside New Zealand, written by Dean Sully, explores the context of whare outside their tribal lands. Jim Schuster and Dean Whiting write, To Western eyes, Henemihi may appear merely as an interesting cultural artefact with no active cultural role. Her performative importance is invisible. To Māori, Hinemihi is a very powerful and meaningful structure, a living person, to be actively engaged through performance. Hoitia explores this further. Uh, Decolonising uh, conservation, which used uh, Māori whare as an example of how we can change the way we see conservation. And how do we change the way we see? Well, that's to understand conservation um, much more about the preservation of use and not mm-hmm. the preservation of materials. So what does that mean in relationship to a whare? That means the whare ceases to um, exist unless we use the whare. Yeah. So stay overnight, live yeah, as part of the uh, 
necessity. Otherwise, the whare just becomes uh, a sort of frozen art object. And there are some whare, like um, raru and um, raru in, in Hamburg, which is sort of inside, uh, I think, the Ethnographic Museum there. And I think there's another whare inside the Field Museum in Chicago. So there these these are cases where the whare has been, uh, let's say, cryogenically frozen as a sort of wunderkabner or an art object. Um, and, you know, you've probably seen one also too in the yeah. in the Auckland um, War Memorial Museum. Yeah. But with Hinemahi, there was always a desire, by certainly by her community, and that community, like I said, was a diaspora, um, much more diverse than you would typically find in Aotearoa. So, as you know, that here. There would be a hapu or iwi Ooh, connection yeah. to the marae, but you know, who who was the iwi, given that she was um, sitting outside outside London, and of course she has a, a whakapapa which gives her an uh, iwi authority back in Aotearoa, but she was being uh, mainly uh, in, in the service of um, Natirana and the Māori and Pacific community. So we'd see beats of Polynesia uh, performing on the atea in front of her. Mm. The National Trust acquired Hinemihi in 1956, her current owners. In 2019, they agreed in principle to an exchange of carvings. Um, there are more members of the National Trust than there are members of the population of New Zealand. So we're talking 5 million members, yeah? So it's a big uh, organisation, and it's also big not only in terms of its numbers, but uh, land ownership. That's Britain's largest private landowner part of the corridor around her future well-being. And, of course, that came to a, a slightly shift when in around about 2017, I think, I listened to Andrew Coleman, I think from very much for Radio New Zealand, actually this station, um, uh, giving a good 30-, 40-minute corridor um, on his new appointment as the chief executive for Pōhere Tāua. I heard him mention Hinemahi, the, the statutory authorities for heritage here, had a strong desire to get um, heritage, New Zealand's heritage, back mm-hmm. in the country. At that point, up until I heard that, that calling, or the karanga from Andrew, we had been trying to just get a toilet, Farupaku, uh, at the back of Hinemahi to allow right. people to stay, and that right. was becoming like a, quite a long, to be polite, quite a long and protracted exercise. It even got as far as uh, my um, architectural practice had put up the money, suggested, well, look, it's not about money, we'll pay for it, you know, right. 50k will get you a um, get you a green toilet but so it wasn't you know I think it ultimately was it's just uh, probably a bit of institutional procrastination and a little bit of cultural resistance to understand te ao Māori and the value of the whare you can imagine nobody uh, within te Māori was advocating at that time the return of Hinemihi uh, to uh, because uh, we wanted her too but um, nonetheless uh, we weren't the iwi authority so mm. it's not our voice. We'd had, we'd heard a year or two, Tuherangi um, had sent a delegation up, also talking about Hinami. So it was a, um, a gradual change, although Andrew Coleman's kōrero definitely sort of realised that actually due to the procrastination, maybe it is time for her to return. Tēnā koe, Dr Anthony Hoite, Professor of Architecture Māori at Auckland University. Alan Gallup is well-versed on the history of Hinemihi. In episode one, he talks about meeting Emily Schuster in 1986, and he took care of the visiting group from the Māori Arts and Crafts Institute, most of whom were descendants of Hinemihi. Alan wrote the book The House with the Golden Eyes and was the first chair of Te Maru o Hinemihi. 
Today, the 73-year-old lives in Ashford, Surrey. Now, while the carvings are set to move from their current site at Knoll House, Alan talks about the care of the carvings today. The pieces uh, went to another National Trust property down in Kent, a place called Knoll, and uh, they got a brand new uh, workshop there where... Uh, any treasures from National Trust properties in Surrey could be taken to and they would be cleaned or mended or whatever. And they gave us a whole room for Henemehi. So you could lie down and people could go, could go and visit the pieces, 30-odd uh, individual pieces, and uh, they were asked not to touch it. I thought, you don't tell me what I can touch and what I can't. Hinamihi knows me and <laughs> expects me to touch <laughs> Anyway, they weren't looking anyway, you know. Um, they hadn't been cleaned properly since probably the Tarawera eruption. Uh, they were rebuilt originally at Clandon Park when they came uh, by an ornamental lake. But the problem was, you know, in, in, in a lot of rainy weather, and we get a lot of rainy weather in this part of England, it, very often the, 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 the little lake in front of it would overflow, and that's not good for wooden carvings, you know. So in the 1930s it was moved uh, to the park where it's been standing ever since. So all that's left of Hinamihi now is just the frame. So the plan is that when the new Hinamihi comes, she will go back to her original length. There was no electricity inside her at all. So the plan is that the new Hinamihi will have lighting inside and seating. There will be brand new carvings, uh, which I understand are, are still to be made. I don't think they've made a start on them yet. If they have, that's news to me. You know. uh, so they will be able to use it for a number of different things. You could have school groups in there. Nati wow. Ranana, uh, the uh, London Maori group, will be able to give concerts inside yeah. and outside, which they couldn't really do because you can only stand inside. There was no seating inside the original Hinami, Um and, and it had a sandy floor as well. So if yeah. you sat on the floor, ooh, your clothes got very, very dusty, you know. So, so, so the current state of Hinemihi as she stands without the carvings as a frame, does that mean that she is not really visited, used, is she maintained? No. Yeah. No, 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 no. There's a, a, a big, um, it's it very been cleverly done. What was the front of Hinemihi has been photographed and then they blew up a gigantic photograph of the front of Hinemihi and put it where the carvings were originally. So it, it, it looks, you know, as if, as if it's a real building, but you can't go inside it because there's nothing to see. There's no roof on it either. Yeah. And it's all at Noel and, uh, and it's all very, very safe there. It's all in temperature controlled conditions, you know, uh, and just before Christmas, a, a whole group of us went to, uh, to look at the carvings and I was very pleased with the way that they were being treated there. Uh, all of the grime that was on the surface of the carvings, both inside and outside, has been removed. Mm. And, uh, and and so for the first time, you're at, she was actually seeing the totara uh, for the first time properly without any soot on it or, wow. or, 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 or dirt or anything at all, you know, which is marvellous. So they're, they're waiting to come home.
Tēnā koe Alan Gallup, he pau kōrero o te whare o Hinemihi. Nei rā te mihi, kia koe. Now we've heard the phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words. For documentary photographer Mark Adams, context is integral. His photos are exhibited in Te Papa and galleries around the country and published in books. Now Mark uses a large format camera with 10 inch by 8 inch film. The result is the stunning, large, detailed panoramic images. His photos of Henemihi feature in books and at the New Zealand High Commission in London. From his home in Oxford, South Island, he joins Tiahika. As a Pākehā boy, um, I'm interested in the colonisation of Oceania by the Brits and the others, the French, etc. So, so what I'm interested in is a, is a Pākehā relationships to the First Nations of Polynesia and specifically here, Māori. And so I've done projects all over New Zealand. Because I'm a South Islander, I've done a big project about the South Island, what happened in the, during the colonisation and the, the origins of the Naitaka claim. So in doing this, I, in Rotorua, I was interested in the relationship between Māori and Pākehā and Rotorua because Rotorua is really crucial because back in the mid-19th century, Tuharangi and the other people basically invented the tourist industry in this country when um, people started coming and Tuharangi would take them to the pink and white terraces. And that's why Hinamihi was made. She was made to receive visitors going to and from the the terraces. And um, during the course of these projects, I've frequently worked with historians and academics, both Māori and Pākehā. And... um, I worked with a guy called Nick Thomas. He's a prof at Cambridge University in England. And this particular project about Hinamihi, um, Tau Tawhito, this book we've done recently, um, has a history. There's a previous book called Rauru. We published that in nine, uh, 2009. And that was me, Nick Thomas, me, again, Lionel, and Jim. Um, and that was basically about Hinamihi, Rauru, um, and Tikea Tamamutu, which was at the Spa Hotel in Taupo. Um, all of these houses have a Pākehā connection, and two of them, um, which is what we were really interested in. Rauru is a meeting house located in Hamburg, Germany. It was commissioned by a Rotorua hotelier and carved by Tene Waitere, Niki Kapua and Anaha Terahui. Now Mark talks about the similar stories of both whare. But we're not just photographing the house, we're photographing the context, and that means the spaces where the houses are, and that means inside the museum with Rauru, and with Hinamihi it means photographing not just Hinamihi, but Hinamihi in the garden, and then pulling back and photographing much wider views of the garden and the house, the big um, Onslow's big mansion house, and also inside Onslow's house. So it gives you a much wider idea about the whole context, and the context teaches us a lot about the situation of these places and of the houses in particular. I also photographed inside um, Maoru and 
also inside enemy, but um, there's not much inside enemy because it's not set up as a full-scale party. Um, but inside Onslow's house, the big mansion house, which is, of course, now tragically destroyed by fire, he had a room which had a lot of tile in it. Um, he had two amazing kiwi feather cloaks and other other things that he'd been given when he was Governor-General. Um, we had quite a collection of photographs taken by the Pākehā photographers in the 19th century, like Alf Burton. And we had original prints by these guys. There are there are a lot of them uh, in the museum in Rotorua and also to Papa and other places. Um, so I'm interested in reflecting on their work because those guys were operating right inside the middle of the whole colonising process that was going on at that moment. And the colonising process was doing these highly contradictory things like um, invading and taking Māori land or stealing it by other means and attacking Māori culture. But at the same time, other aspects of the colonising process were doing the opposite. They were... um, promoting Māori culture and financing it and supporting it. So you get this these kind of contradictory um, things going on. And I'm interested in all of these kind of histories and contradictions. And, um, you know, it's all part of our... It tells us a lot about who we are and you know, what we are now. Tēnā koe documentary photographer Mark Adams. E re re nā tai mihi kia koe me tō mahi rangatira. Hei tērā wiki, next week... I can get on my bike, motorbike, and I can take a ferry for half an hour and be in France to go to Clandon Park or even to, to know about Natidana really mm. uh, was awe-inspiring and really opened my eyes, opened my horizons in the wider context of where Māori can sit in the world. We do have a place I link up with Nati Ranana, 12,000 miles away via Zoom, to discuss what henemehi, who they affectionately call their queer, means to them, and their thoughts about the carbon exchange. Mei koreake nga kai kōrero i homai a rātou, kōrero a kua etutuki pai tēnei hōtaka. A big thanks to our kai kōrero, Dr Anthony Hoite, Mark Adams, Alan Gallup and Dr Kiri Ann Wikitera. To learn more about the history of Henemihi, you can of course listen back to episodes 1 and 2 at rnz.co.nz forward slash tiahika or download the podcast. RNZ Tiahika on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you access your podcasts. To get in touch, email tiahika at rnz.co.nz. Kia maru, tā noho, tēnā tātou katoa.